You've got to focus greatly on closing champions. Champions are the only thing that gets you through those uncertain, unconfident customers. You're listening to Your Sales MBA with Cece Aparo and Jeff Hoffman. The episode you are about to hear is an excerpt from our weekly webinar series, Tuesdays with Hoffman. For more information on our series or to register for an upcoming webinar, visit sellhoffman.com. Now let's talk about the biggie. That's the big, I think, what most people want to join. We have an unconfident customer. Well, that I have many. Yeah. And again, I think it's important to delineate which of the two they're unconfident about. Now, there's an old expression in sales called FUD, an acronym that stands for fear, uncertainty, and doubt. It's old. And I remember learning it when I was younger. And it, it's our three friends we have, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. If we can stir the pot of fear, uncertainty, and doubt, sometimes in a sale, then we can agitate a deal to a place where the fear, uncertainty, and doubt can raise to a level that turns our buyer into a more emotional one. And if we have the steady hand on the tiller, and if we're the resulting solution to fear, uncertainty, and doubt, well, then selling to pain is a real thing you can do and you can close against it. So this has been going on for decades. We, we use this often. But now, fear, uncertainty, and doubt does not have to be introduced by a sales rep. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt is baked into the equation. Everyone has it. The question from a sales rep is, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with yours? We'll talk about that in a minute. But here, what are you going to do about their fear, uncertainty, and doubt? Because the idea of fear and pain, if you think that alone drives sales, then ask yourself why your inbox isn't bigger than it should be. Because think of all the customers and prospects you talk to that haven't called you back that are feeling fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Why? Because fear, uncertainty, and doubt, the number one thing it drives in behavior for customers is inaction. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt, unless groomed and managed by a salesperson, will result in inactivity. Not driving to fix fear, uncertainty, and doubt, but paralyzed during the fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And when you have really bad economies or horrible stresses on the planet, like the one where exists today, fear, uncertainty, and doubt gets cranked to a new level, which means that the most, the, the lion's share of your prospects and customers, are feeling fear, uncertainty, and doubt to epic heights, raising the likelihood of more inactivity, not less. So the unconfident customer is the customer who doesn't act. So what is our job? Since in sales, it's to act. Since in sales, it's to inspire urgency where none exists. We need the customer prospect to act. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt by itself is not our friend. Not even close. Unconfident customers don't buy anything. I'll say that again. If your customer is afraid, uncertain, and doubtful, they won't spend money with you. So what do we do? What we do is we need to use that fear, uncertainty, and doubt to figure out where our elements are to inspire self-confidence when they have none. How do we do it? We do it with the paradigm, but not teacher-student and not buyer-seller. We do it with the only paradigm that's fully capable of dealing with unplanned moments of fear, uncertainty, and doubt when action has to be taken. And I think happy you already figured this out. And that's your mom and your dad. That's parent-child, the most sacred and powerful of paradigms. The parent-child, I said it can happen to non-parents and children. I explained my wife calling in kids to inside and how quickly that works. In the idea of parent-child, who else 
but to calmly steer and navigate their fearful child. Here's the example I always give. My uh, youngest son had terrible nightmares and had a hard time going to sleep when he was little, and he was convinced there was a dragon under his bed. So he would come down at night and bug my wife and I about, you know, his, this monster on his bed, and we would go up all the time and peel back the covers and look under the bed. There's no monster. Oh, he's hiding. Or he's in the closet. Oh, he's, 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 he gets small at night, and he always had a good reason. Because fear, uncertainty, and doubt always creates wonderful conclusions with bad premise. The premise is there's a dragon. Mm, good luck with that one. But the conclusions are very, very logical. After trying to explain to him a million times, there's no, there's no dragon, there's no FUD. Didn't work. One point I said to him the following. Hey, buddy, I want to tell you something. This is when my wife was out and I was upstairs. And I say, hey, buddy, I want to tell you something. You know, you say you got a dragon in your room? Yeah, I believe you. You do. What? Yes, you do have a dragon in your room. A very, very scary looking one. And I know you're telling the truth because your older brother had this room before you and he had the same experience. This is what we learned about this dragon. He's actually a sweetheart. He just looks scary. Right now he wants to play, but he has a bad way of introducing himself. So this is what we're going to do, buddy. We got to surprise him. So you're going to stay in bed and I want you to pretend that you're sleeping. We'll shut the lights off. I want you to count real slowly to 21. Two, don't make a noise. Don't make a sound. Three, four, keep your eyes shut. Let him think you're sleeping. Five, six. So when you get to 20, I think you will fool them enough where he'll come out from hiding. Turn the lights on. Come get me. I'll introduce you to the dragon. Okay, dad. Go downstairs. Shut the light. Shut the light. Two seconds later, I hear him running down the stairs. Dad, let's go. Let's go get him. I go, buddy, good job. But here's the thing. I don't think that was 20. I felt a little faster than 20. Come on, let's go upstairs again. I think he's on to us. So now we're going to do it again, but you got to count to 100. Okay, dad. Shut his lights off. Close his eyes. One, two. Stay still, buddy. Count to 100. Three, four. I creep downstairs. And when's the next time I saw him? Breakfast the next morning. Because I realized I was answering the wrong question. I was trying to figure out how to explain to my son there's no dragon. You saw where that got me. I tried a different question. How do I get my kid to go to sleep? Ah, but sometimes it's the question that'll do it. So we're not looking to relieve the fear, uncertainty of the dragon. We agree there is a dragon. Well, we have to replace fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and the paralyzation that comes with it is action. I had my son do things that I knew would get him to fall asleep. Now let's go back to us in sales. When we are experiencing an unconfident customer, we need to provide the confidence, not in the confidence that everything's going to work out. The confidence is that those who act have a chance and those who don't get eaten by dragons. Your job as a sales rep today with unconfident customers is to agree with their lack of confidence and uncertainty while closing that the only life preserver the customer has is to make a decision. Now, how do we do that? We do it in a lot of ways, but you have to do some things first. This is not easy. There's a reason why very few sales reps can conquer in bad economies, but those who do have illustrious careers that are impossible to even measure. So if you want to be one of those reps that are successful with this, first, you have to love your product in a way you've never loved it before. You have to completely believe that your product is not only the best in its space, it's the only in its space that will solve the problems. And if you don't fully throated in a way believe that, you can't do the techniques I'm trying to tell you. These aren't parlor tricks. These are reflections of your state. When people are feeling a lack of self-confidence, the hypervigilance of that person to determine if others have confidence is acute. You cannot fake it when people are nervous. You cannot fake it when people are afraid.
So you have to, number one, love your product. And if you don't, then you need to look for another job during this upcoming weeks, months, and quarters of what we'll be enduring. You will not have success if you don't fully believe in what you're selling. Number two, you have to equally believe in the vertical of which your customer is in. Question came up about travel and leisure and travel entertainment. And I've had this question come up a lot. Jeff, I sell to a travel vertical. What do I do? I say to him, always the same question. Do you believe the travel vertical will rebound? Do you believe that when the travel vertical rebounds, those that succeed post-rebound will be in a stronger position than ever before? If you don't believe those things in your heart in the travel business, you have no business selling to the travel business right now. That's on you. That's not on the territory of the economy. That's on you. So it's not a question of what do I do if my boss asks me to sell to a tough vertical? Question is, what do I do if my manager tells me to sell to a vertical I don't believe in? Okay, well, that's a different conversation with your manager and it's worth having. So you've got to believe in your vertical because otherwise it's BS. So you've got to believe in your, in your product, you've got to believe in your vertical and you've got to focus greatly on closing champions. Champions are the only thing that gets you through those uncertain, unconfident customers. And what is a champion? By my definition, Champion has to have two elements for this to work. Champions, we throw this term around all the time. She's my champion, he's my champion, but rarely do we assign any real responsibilities to our champions. I do. When I ask for a champion, I always close for two things. Will you be my champion, says me, and before you answer, I have two questions I need you to answer first. Will you work as hard as I'm about to work at my company? Are you going to work as hard at your company to find a home for this? And if this gets stuck, are you going to unstick it quickly? Those are big words. And tough words to say, and they might come out a little bit awkward, but that's what has to come out to the unconfident buyer because they have to become a champion. And ultimately, a champion does one thing others can't, and that is they can break rules. That's the best part of champion. They can break rules. They can find budget when there is none. They can leapfrog a deal in purchasing when others are in front of you. They can get that legal call done yesterday instead of tomorrow. They break rules. Why? They break rules not for you and your product. They break rules because people in their company believe in them. And they're willing to let them off the hook on a broken rule because they know that they're leaders. That unconfident buyer in your perspective account has to have the willingness to be a rule breaker or you have to move on to a new buyer. Could be the same company, but the buyer in April and May of 2020 has to have within them the ability to break a rule or do not bother trying to groom them. So the sale now changes. What used to be about selling value, which I'd argue is crazy, it doesn't make any sense now, becomes a different argument. Now the argument is this. Do you feel fear, uncertainty, and doubt? This is you to the customer, and you'll phrase this any way you want, but you can explore that. Where is your fear, uncertainty, and doubt with COVID-19? Where's your fear, uncertainty, and doubt with the economy you come out of this? Where's your fear, uncertainty, and doubt with your vertical? Now tell me your fear, uncertainty, and doubt with your company in that context. And then let me tell you why you're doing it wrong. And let me tell you why if you don't do anything, you'll be out. Then you'll have the potential to pivot that person to a potential champion. So it's using things like the authority clothes that I kind of hinted at. It's focusing on FUD. It's being a parent, not a child, and they are your child. If you think about how you handle a child, it's with care, and it's with kindness, and it's with patience, and it's with resolve, and it's with discipline, and it's with focus, and it's with decision-making. So all of those things live in that uniform. You've earned the right to do it if you've shown that you're a rule breaker first. 
So that's my idea around selling to customers when they're feeling panicky. Any questions of that one? Well, Dominic wants you to know that this is mind blowing, which. Thanks, Dominic. I don't know if that's good or bad, but thank you. It's a good thing. We have one question here from Andrea. She wants to know, how can you get your prospects to open up about the FUD a competitor gave them about your company and product? Okay. We're not alone on using this acronym in lots of ways. And I will tell you the, the rep, the, the competitive rep that attempts to use FUD to blemish a competitor There are places where that's very appropriate. This economy would not be one. So a rep doing, know that if this happens to you, the the rep you're against is not a strong one. But, But that being said, one of the advantages, I would argue, to the new world is our ability to do more discovery calls on video. And I think that since we normally started calls with small talk, and we've replaced them with March calls of, so how you doing, how you holding up? And now that we're sick of that, now the new opening can be far more direct. And if you're finding that this is a frequent one, then you go right at it. Hey, did you already talk to XYZ? All right, tell me the things they told you about us that give you fear and uncertainty and doubt in working with us. You close them on that request. This is something I might not do back in February, but here I would. Because what you want to show in your close on, hey, what have you heard about us? It doesn't matter what they reveal. They'll say some things, they won't say others. It's you're showing your own confidence and that, so you talk to them, right? What do they say? Like your, your confidence in talking competitively is a huge way of moving that FUD away from you and onto them. And then what I always say is, look, what else do they say? Well, listen, I'm going to say a bunch of stuff about them. Do they know we're talking today? Says me to the prospect. Does XYZ competitor know that you're talking to me today? Likely they'll say no. I said, when we're done with this call, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to call them and tell them. Tell them you're working with Jeff Hoffman at XYZ. Can I tell you why I want you to do that? Why? Because I want this to be a fair fight. Because I'm going to say a lot of stuff about them, and I'm not going to hide it. And I want you to tell them everything that I say, because you'll make the decision. By raising it to that level of confidence inspires the confidence in your customer. Hi again, Cece here. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of Your Sales MBA. If you want to make sure that you never miss an episode, don't forget to go on to iTunes or Google Play or Spotify, wherever you're listening to this, and subscribe, rate, and review as we love hearing from you. And if you want to get your sales questions answered, feel free to send it to us at podcast at sellhoffman.com. We'll see you next week. Happy selling. Happy selling.